I, I should have put up some pictures because uh, I got some pretty pictures in Oregon. Uh, went to a wedding out there. Um, my second cousin was getting married, and uh, Rick and Linda rode along with me. Um, and we, the major intent of our trip was to go out for the wedding. And the reason why it's significant for us to go to that wedding is because my cousin, uh, his daughter was getting married, and my cousin, when he was 13 years old, after Connie and I had been married for nine months, became our first child to live with us in our house. And so before we ever had any of our own children, we had Donnie. And uh, he was 13 years old, and he was um, challenging. Um, I think he elected to move out when he was uh, 17 or thereabouts. Um, he was having some disagreements with our values, and he had different values, and he was way smarter at 17 than we were. And it wouldn't have actually taken much because we weren't all that much older than him. Um, but uh, it's good to see the restoration of that relationship. It was good to see that him and his wife, even though uh, they're not walking with Jesus in an obvious way uh, to us, that they've still been faithful to one another, and um, their oldest daughter was getting married, and it was really fun to be there. It was also sad in some respects, because as a pastor uh, observing a wedding, uh, observing a wedding without Jesus included was really hard. Um, your promises are based on whatever you feel like, and uh, there's no other basis for it than that. And so um, we, we understand what I'm saying, I think most of us do, but uh, in some cases it's, it's interesting because there is no other basis for a promise other than how I feel at the moment. And uh, so my hope is that uh, those two um, would do well and hopefully find Jesus someday. Um, and uh, just to be blessed. And if, if you're making that marriage commitment to uh, another, then what, what's happening there is you are connecting with heaven whether or not you believe in it or not. Um, that it is a living illustration of the relationship that God wants to have with us. So um, one of the things that we all can relate to, even though us men have a hard time doing it, is we are all the bride of Christ. We are all the bride of Christ. And I know that as men, we struggle with that to some degree. But let me th throw something else at you. This, this should help you guys a little bit. We are all sons. I'm, I'm speaking truth right now. It'd be good if, and it's not to affirm me, it's to affirm the truth in you. To say amen. You know, we are the bride of Christ. Yes. Lord, that just blows my mind as a man, but your word says it. And I will be the bride of Christ. But your word also says that we are all sons. And I think what, what we need to get a hold of in that is these are an illustration. These are ways in which God relates to us, helps us to understand his kingdom. And I wasn't going to go here, but we were singing about 
about this and um, I am a child of God or I am a son. And, and I'd like to invite you to t- turn to Luke chapter 15 with me and I'm going to spend just a few moments here with you. I don't know whose sucker that is, but I moved it over there. Is it you, yours, Justin? Yeah. Well, it's over there waiting for you. So Jesus is telling these parables about, and he starts out with the parable of the lost sheep, but it's good for us in in verse 1 to look, first of all, at his audience. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him, so we have tax collectors and sinners. In, in the Jewish mindset, in, in the Jewish religion, this would be, you don't get any lower than a tax collector. This is, this is the worst. Tax collectors and sinners drew near to hear him, and the Pharisees and scribes complained. <laughs> Did you guys ever laugh at the Pharisees and scribes? And then, and then you have to laugh when you realize that you might be one. This man receives sinners and eats with them. So here's, that's, that's the setting. And so he tells the story about the lost sheep. And we sing about that um, in, in reckless love. We sing about that, that he is willing to uh, seek us out, leaves the 99 and, and looking for the one sheep. That's, that's out of this portion of scripture. And then there's the parable of the lost coin. And uh, the, the parable of the lost coin is probably one of those things that we have a hard time relating to. But when it comes to this next parable, the parable of the lost son, I, I'd like to read this for you because Jesus is trying to get across to the Pharisees and the scribes and also the tax collectors and sinners is that I'm looking for lost things. I'm here to save the lost. Wrap your mind around it, but better yet, please wrap your heart around the fact that the mission of the Son of God is to save that which was lost. And so as we look at the parable of the lost son, Jesus says, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, by the way, can I just say that Jesus is setting up both sides, both groups of people in in telling them the the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. He's setting them both up. And now this this parable is going to nail everybody. And so prepare to be nailed. Because we all need to hear this. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So, I'm just going to make comments as we go through this. So, we have the younger son instigating the division of the father's wealth. In other words, what's my inheritance? I want it. And, and we see here that in the next sentence he says, so he divided to them. 
Catch that. This is very important for the rest of the story. So he divided to them, not just to the younger son, but to the older son. He divided to them, <coughs> excuse me, the portion of goods that falls to the, uh, divided his livelihood. <coughs> and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Prodigal is best described as wasteful, wantonness, and, and it's, it's loose living, and there's all sorts of things that we associate with it, but it, it's, it's not necessarily a negative from the standpoint of he wasn't being evil necessarily, he just was being foolish probably. He didn't necessarily know how to handle the wealth that his father had given him. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. Now, do you guys realize that we're talking to a Jewish audience? And when they're talking to a Jewish audience, and he mentions, and he began to feed the swine, this is a Jewish boy in, Je in Jesus' story. Now, now, keep in mind, this is a parable. But Jesus is sucking them in with, with the details of this story to illustrate a point. That life could not have gotten any worse for this young Jewish boy than to be feeding swine. Could, could you all just say with me, I'm a son? I'm a son. Let's say, let's say it again. I'm a son. I know some of you girls are having a hard time saying I'm a son. Just us, us guys have a problem saying I'm the bride of Christ. But again, Scripture speaks this out, and I'm not going to run there because I wasn't intending to, to preach this this morning, but I really feel like before I go to where I was intending to go that we need to cover this this morning. He joined himself to a citizen of that country. So Jewish boy jo uh, joining himself to a Gentile, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And <clears throat> it says he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. I'm a son. Are you a son? Son of who? Son of God. What? Now, here's one of the things that Jesus is telling in this story that I think sometimes we miss, is that when we leave the Father, things happen in our life that we would have never expected to happen in our life. There's a, there's a movie that, and I'm not going to tell you which movie it is, it's just there's a movie that I sometimes watch, and some of you will know because of the reference that I make right now to the movie, but there's a place in the movie where he says, uh, and I don't remember the exact age that he says, but uh, your 10-year-old your selves would, would beat your rear end right now for who you've become.
Some of us have become people that we never expected to become because we ventured so far from the Father that, that we are basically eating slop that's dedicated for pigs. We're not eating what, what God intends, what our Father intends for us. And we make excuses about it, but I want to tell you something. The songs that we sang this morning are so powerful to say, I'm a child of God. Therefore, I'm not going to fear. I'm no longer a slave. I'm a child. I'm a son. I've been brought into relationship, and that's what happens in this story. Jesus has sucked both groups into this, and they're, and they're listening to that, and I'm sure the scribes and the Pharisees are like, oh, this is terrible. This terrible young man, you know, he took and wasted all of his father's livelihood. Well, he's not done yet, but he says here, it says, but when he came to himself, this is the, the younger son, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger? <coughs> I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So you, you see that the son is getting a repentant heart. But is his heart necessarily aligned with the father's heart yet? No, because we're going to see the father's heart here in a moment. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand. That ring is a signet ring. It would have been the family seal. So he's bringing out... And he's restoring the son to be a son, not a slave. And so, church, there are places where you and I are still in bondage to slavery because we still believe our past dictates who the Father says we are. But that past has been taken care of by the cross. And we're, and we're wallowing around in pig slop when we're meant to be wearing the signet ring. We're meant to be doing these things that the Father has instructed for us to do. He's not meaning for us to wallow in the slop anymore. He's meaning for us to walk in, put on the best robes. You know, one of the things that, <laughs> one of the things that doesn't say here is that they gave, a, gave the son a bath. Because if it did, that's what we'd all dwell on. Well, he needed he need to be cleaned up. No, all it talks about is restoration. As far as we know, the son has come from feeding pigs and slop. This is in Jesus' story. He's come in, and if Jesus is telling the story about his father, we better be listening. Because no one knows the father like the son. Hey, why don't you put that on your own self? Nobody knows the father like me, his son. Well, I'm a girl. Why don't you self-identify as a son?
Amen? Because, you know, the world doesn't need more confused Christians. It needs people that will accept the fact that they're sons and let God sanctify us, not our own imaginings and ideas and all the other crud that goes on with that. How many of you have ever blown it? Then you should relate to the prodigal son real well. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Some people complain about the song Reckless Love because they said God's not reckless. If Jesus is telling this story about his father, I would say that the father does have reckless love. It's, in fact, another um, pretty famous pastor, I think he since went to be with the Lord, I believe it's Lloyd Ogilvie, said this parable could also be called the parable of the prodigal father because his love seems wasteful. His provision seems extravagant. And that extravagant love is heading towards us. Now let's pick up this part. Oh, and by the way, it says, and they began to be merry. It's okay for you as a Christian to be happy. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. Listen to this. The older son sounds more like a slave than a son. I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat. Wait a second. Never gave me a young goat? Who divided his wealth to both sons back before the younger son left? So did the older son have anything at all? As far as we know, he would have had the rest of everything that was left. And he's saying, you never gave me a goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with the harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, listen. Listen to what the father is saying. Son, you are always with me. <laughs> and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. You guys, we need the perspective that God's love for us is extravagant. We need the perspective that he calls us sons. As soon as we repent and come to him, he, 
restores us. Do you feel, do you always feel restored? Do you ever feel like you still, you know, and, and I know I shared this a long time ago, but do any of you ever feel like going back to your default self? I, I, I see heads shaking, I see heads nodding, and, and, and that's the thing, is that sometimes our default self still holds something on us because we don't understand. We're a son! That slop and that identity have been removed by the Father. Not because you earned it. The only thing that you possibly could have done was humbled yourself enough to come back. And the Father says, oh, let's put the robe on. Let's give you a signet ring. Let's give you authority to be a son. Isn't that good news? It doesn't matter. I mean, as far as I, I understand it, we are all... Christians here, we are all believers in Jesus Christ. There is a commonality to this. Now, some of us are, some of us may be more knowledgeable in Scripture. If any of you have been around Chuck and Paula, you know that they not only can quote Scripture, but they can usually give you the verse, and, you know, they can give you the address so that you can go find it for yourself. I've never been able to do that with, with the exception of a few verses, but the thing is, is his word is hidden in my heart that I might not sin against him. And I might not even be able to tell you where that is, but I can find it with a good concordance, which I have in my phone that's very smart. Okay? See, when the enemy comes in and starts telling me things like, you deserve slop, that's when I remind him that I'm a son. That's when I remind him that, that I humbled myself and I've been restored. That those things that used to hold me no longer hold me. Isn't that good news? I'm not doing justice to it because I would have liked to have prepared more, but I just felt like I really needed to share that with you guys, that, that we are a son and that God wants us to walk in the, res the restoration life, the life of restoration. It's always happening. I'm sure that son had memories of slop. I'm sure he had memories of taking care of pigs. Say, wait a second, Kenny, it's a parable. I know it's a parable, but work with me a little bit. In Jesus' story, he's telling the thickness of it so that it's hitting the scribes and the Pharisees and the tax collectors and sinners at the same time those, those scribes and Pharisees needed to hear that they were like the older brother that had all of the riches and yet they didn't walk in it. And that all of us are like the prodigal son who have wandered away and need to come back and let God restore us. Which, by the way, you probably hear me say this next week, but I'm going to say it now because it's... When I say next week, I mean on Thursday, okay? And we'll talk about that more here in a moment. But intercession, and, and let, me, let, me, let me back up and say this. The heart of intercession is restoration. The heart of intercession is restoration. We'll talk about that on Thursday, I believe. Um,
Because the father could not be ready for his son to return had he not already in his heart prepared himself. He had already interceded for his son. He longed for his son to be restored. And the heart of it was the father was already prepared for the son to return. That's why he put a robe on him. That's why he put a signet ring back on his finger. That's why he said, you're a son, not a slave. If you want more, come on Thursday night. All right, so uh, would you turn to Romans 14, because this is, this is what I was going to talk about, and it's not going to take that long, so. And, and, and actually, you guys, the, the great thing about this is, I think it totally ties in with what we just said. Last night, I was uh, knowing that we were going to talk about switching to Thursday nights for the summer, and I was looking for this one verse that says, um, and, and I, I was probably quoting it in the New American Standard, so I was like looking for uh, regards one day above another, but in the New King James, it says esteems one day above another, and so I never found it, and then I got sidetracked, and I thought, well, I'll find it later. <clears throat> I open up Life Journal reading today. Romans 14 is there. And I was like, yes! I love it when a plan comes together. So let's start at verse 1. Receive one who is weak in the faith. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. And, and these disputes then, and, and here's what I think Paul's getting at is he's wrapping up Romans, the book of Romans. He's saying, here's some practical tips for living the Christian life. You're going to deal with people who are weak in the faith, but not, don't, don't get into disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables I didn't say it, scripture did. <laughs> but please stick around because the rest of the story is coming, okay? But he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats, listen you guys, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat. And gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. <laughs> For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, 
For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So in switching to Thursday nights, and, and when we did this, I think it was around 12 years ago, I don't remember the exact year, but when we did this before, um, the intent was to use Sunday for a number of things. Um, but I know that, that it's possible that some of us are just religious enough because some of us have been going to church on Sundays for decades. Some of us, if you're like me, have spent half a century in church on Sundays. Spent a significant amount of time in church on Sunday nights. And Thursday nights. And then they moved midweek service to Wednesday night. Not sure why. Maybe it's because it's hump day. <laughs> I, I don't know. And yes, there are people that have, that have went on Friday nights. There are people that go to church on Saturdays. We won't get into all of that. This is the thing. Let him who esteems one day over another not judge those who don't. Let's not argue about things that don't matter that much. Now, I know that Thursday night church might not fit everybody's schedule. But let me make some suggestions to you. Because, see, the reason why I believe what we're talking about ties in with what I opened with is because we are sons. We are family. We are connected to one another through Christ. And it is very important that we maintain that connection, that the body of Christ not be maligned. Hello? Do you agree? So I want Jesus to be glorified because he's the one that made me a son. He paid the price so that I could walk in relationship with the Father. Do we agree on that truth? So when you die and you go before God, and if he were to ask you, why would I let you in? You guys, I've heard stuff like that. But most of the time I hear, well, I've been a pretty good person. That is the most common answer I hear. And here's the problem. We keep trying to get people to come to church. When we're not called to get them to come to church, we're called to get them introduced to faith in Jesus Christ. They may never come into this building. This building is not going to save them. The saving grace is in Jesus Christ alone. And if I preach myself out of a job, that's okay too, all right? Because that would be good. For, for none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. 
Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. I belong to him. And, and I could go into quite a message on sin right now. But we are no longer bound by sin because we have been purchased out of that. Well, I still, sometimes I still sin. Well, then reckon that member of your body dead to sin. It's not meant to walk that way anymore. Take charge and just say, Jesus took care of that. Sometimes I think we're getting caught up in stuff because we want an excuse still. When I realized that Jesus delivered me from pornography, you guys, oh wait, pastor was in pornography? Yeah, very, very long time ago. And thank you, God, when he brought deliverance, there wasn't a matter of, gee, I really want to go back to that. No, I was like, man, that's dead. I am not going to make alive again that which has been crucified with Christ on the cross. So anyway, going back to this Thursday night thing is, 6 o'clock, I will make sure that we have sandwiches or soup or something here so that you, you can show up, and between 6 and 6.30, you can show up and grab some food if you are coming straight from work. I just want to warn you that, that and, and I'm going to pick on him because he's my son, but if, if Justin comes directly from work, none of you are going to want to hug him. <laughs> but but I, I'm making this point because we need to hear this. The church is not meant to be a gathering of people that have their Sunday best on. It's meant to be a gathering of people who realize they're forgiven. And and I think one of the problems is that the church gathering ends up being a whole lot of things that's not intended to be because our traditions start to creep in. And I'm not saying those traditions are always bad because traditions also speak and teach us really, really good things. But if Justin comes straight from being, um, and, and when I say a plumber, you guys need to understand, generally speaking, it's commercial plumbing. So he's not coming with feces on him, okay? <laughs> Just thought I'd make that, that point clear. But whether or not he does, how do we treat him? Exactly. Receive him. So, and, and I'm, giving all of you, I'm giving all of you permission to please come straight from work if you need to come straight from work, and we'll have some food here for you. And we'll spend probably half an hour doing that. The sanctuary might be set up a little bit different sometimes. So just telling you that because it's, it's good. You walk in. What's, what's pastor doing now? Well, it might be making it easier for you to eat and worship at the same time. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what we do. I still got to work some of this out. But when you come in, then at 630, thereabouts, we're going to worship. Now, I just instructed the worship team, Jackie, if you want to, lead us in a new song, we're not going to get together and as a worship team be able to practice that. So we are going to practice with the whole crew. So we're going to learn new songs sometimes and you guys are going to be like, I am on the drums. So this is what drummers do when this goes back to band in in school. Is it sometimes drummers are sitting back there, I wish the trumpets would figure out what they're doing. Man, this is boring. (laughs) You know, or maybe it was the woodwind section. Ken Parker's back there. He understands what I'm talking about. 
And, and, and some of you are going to have a, a desire to probably do that. And, and what I just say, you know, I'm, I'm giving Jackie or Keith or whoever's leading worship permission that if we need to stop the song and, and work out something, let's work it out. Do you guys, you guys are going to see church stripped down, you know, it's going to be, and, and what's going to happen out of that then is there's going to be an exchange of life that's taking place that some of us are not going to be super comfortable with. But I'm going to ask you guys, would you not judge us in that point in time because it's not that important? Now, if, if there's a sin that is critical to be corrected, let, let's do that. Uh, but do that in love. Uh, so I, I'm not going to go into the fullness of, of this not judging one another. But what Paul's saying is, let's not judge each other over things that are trivial. Let's not get caught up in that. Matt. Pick, pick your battles, exactly. And, and because God has been incredibly merciful to you, be merciful to others. Because mercy, from what I understand, triumphs over judgment. I'm just throwing a little scripture at you. Okay, so the other thing is on Sunday mornings, what do we do on Sunday mornings then? Well, you could go find another congregation to connect with. Um, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I want you to know that I think if you're doing that, you're just, I think you're missing part of the point, but that's fine. Because what I'd like to challenge you to do is do something that you never have done on Sunday morning. Go to Yellowstone. <laughs> Spend time with your family. Invite Elaine over to your house. Invite Elaine over to your house for lunch. <laughs> Invite Will and Libby over to your house. They might be camping, so plan ahead. In, in other words, what, I, what I'm trying to say to you guys is, don't be hermits stuck in your place and say, can't go, can't go to church on Sunday. Find something to do. Be the body of Christ. Reach out to people that you normally wouldn't hang out with. Go, I don't know, do something crazy. Go to Bubba's for lunch and buy a complete stranger their lunch and just walk out without them knowing what just happened. Go have fun. There you go. Invite the Jehovah's Witnesses in. Yeah. Would you like a cup of tea? You guys understand what this is about? This, what it's really about is allowing us to, and I'm going to tell you something that just hit me this morning. This is going to be the first time in I don't know how many years, because even when we did this last time, I did not have a Sabbath. I worked on Sundays. I was a relief driver for the Cody Trolley on Sunday mornings. Well, all day Sunday. Because I, I wanted to get out in the community more. This is going to be the first time I've ever had a Sabbath. Let that sink in for a minute. Because pastors oftentimes do not have Sabbaths. I'm not, I'm not saying that to guilt anybody. I'm not trying to get any kind of emotional response. I'm just saying it's a truth that hit me this morning. I get to have a Sabbath. I get to do what some of you decide to do on Sunday morning. I don't feel like going. Church. 
Well, you're the pastor. You have to go. Well, some of you aren't the pastor, so you don't have to go. You don't show up, and you decide, oh, let's run to Billings today. <laughs> I've actually picked on a few of you for that, because I just like, I want to just like get up on Sunday morning and go, man, you know, it'd be fun to just go to Billings today, wouldn't it, hon? Yeah, let's go to Billings. Well, I'm going to be able to do that. I'm going to be able to go to Yellowstone. I, when my kids are camping, I might go see them. But the point is, or we might go camping with them. I don't know. But the thing that I'm trying to get across to you guys is this isn't anything that's meant to be just we're checking out for the summer. If anything, I believe we're checking in. And we need to realize that this is still called ministry. And if you want to go see your friends at another congregation, have at it. But I really encourage you guys, have somebody over to your house that you normally wouldn't hang out with. And, and I know some of you are going to be like, well, Justin invited us over, and that means he normally doesn't hang out, wouldn't hang out with us. Well, enjoy it, because you might get to know each other. All right? Cody and Angela, y'all better be here on Thursday nights. <laughs> no excuses on, I've got a board meeting or anything like that, all right? I'm giving them a little extra grief, because for years they've been asking what, could we please do that Thursday night thing again that we did? And now that you guys have lots of kids, it makes it even better. Did you guys have, how many, did you have any kids back then? None. I'm thinking it's closer to 12. Hey, and the other thing I wanted to say to you guys, I love you. I thank you for your faithfulness to this church family in so many ways. The, the, um, your faithfulness in giving gifts, uh, paying tithes, attending here, putting up with my craziness. I'm just, you know, and, and honestly, you guys, I, for some of you, you'd remember Dennis and Luann Abeen, and I went to lunch with them on my birthday. I celebrated my birthday on the Oregon coast in the rain, and I'm telling you, it was raining, baby. You know that rain that you guys got? I got it first. And boy, was it raining. But I went out to lunch with Dennis and Luann, and they said the thing that they missed the most was just being able to talk about things, just being honest with each other, and they, they missed that so much. And uh, we can't have that unless you guys are willing to run the risk with me because uh, it does get scary at times and, and sometimes we don't always respond the way we should uh, and I'm including myself in that. So thank you for that. Let's, let's see where Jesus leads us this summer. All right? Yeah, Wayne. We could. At the end of the summer, swap stories, which, by the way, I forgot to mention this. Alex is back in the country, and we'll probably be able to hear her swap some of her stories uh, be on Thursday nights, uh, I hope. So that'll be something. This coming Thursday. When are we starting? This coming Thursday. 6 to 6.30, you can show up and grab something to eat. 6.30, Jackie or whoever's leading worship is going to fire up. 
And uh, when you guys get in here, we'll, we'll sing and worship together, and then we'll have a short teaching in the Word. I'm going to try and keep us uh, getting out of here at about, oh, well, let me put it this way. I'm going to end so that we're done at 7.30. If you guys want to hang out till 8 or 8.30, that's fine. I may leave the door locked so that when you leave, it locks behind you, but uh, I'm at least committed to try and get us done by 7.30-ish, all right? Because I know you all be working the next day, and you're tired, and your ability to sit through my sermons will be shortened. All right, Chuck. Sure. That's your brother. That's such a good point, Chuck. Thanks for bringing that up. All right. I'm done.